I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Jaylee Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. I got to start out real quick, hot and heavy with a little humble brag. Last week on my episode, I was talking about how I had this prediction that Ginny's ice cream was coming out with a collab with Dolly Parton. And really, this was just plucked from my brain. I didn't see really any clues about this. I just predicted it. And guys, I was right. Ginny's is coming out with a collab with Dolly Parton. I'm worried that it's going to have meat in it because they made some joke when it came out about it being not quite bacon and eggs, which obviously I won't be able to try it if it has meat in it. So that's a little bit sad. But I really, again, just had to pat myself on the back for that. And speaking of predictions, I think I said last week that I felt like my prediction wasn't coming true because I thought Taylor was releasing something on 310. Okay, well, that was just me being a stupid idiot. The day I had originally predicted was 319 because shit's always released on Fridays. I had to literally go back and look at my... um what are they called? Like Instagram stories, my highlights. And I saw I had predicted 319 and I was just being a dumbass and not remembering. So three plus one plus nine obviously equals 13. I still stand by. I think this could be the trilogy of her albums. She's been dropping a lot of hints about threes. Like in her recent Instagram, she posted from the Grammys. She was holding up three fingers. So I don't know, y'all. I'm just saying I think something's coming tomorrow. I might have to do an emergency episode if something happens. We'll see. My little sister, Danny is in town. Her name's Sheridan, but I call her Dan Dan. I tried to get her to come on the pod, but she refused. So, oh, she's over there just snickering, literally in the other room, like reading a YA novel and ignoring me. Um, This is the only time she ever listens to the podcast because she refuses to listen and she's just a captive audience right now and has to. On to some sadder news, but I hope ultimately is a healing and good process. I feel like I couldn't not talk about this. Well, first off, I wanted to say that I wanted to talk about the Vanity Fair article that came out regarding Army Hammer's family because he has the most cuckoo, lechoo, rich people, crazy ass family that I've ever heard of. I mean, not that that justifies his behavior at all, but I couldn't even, that article was so long, I couldn't even get through it all before needing to record And I felt like it was more important to talk about this because House of Effie, now I say that, but it hasn't been confirmed that this is actually House of Effie, but I will say she's posted pictures of herself on the Instagram account House of Effie, and she has presented herself as Effie in the press. So I think we can draw the line that it's the same person. So she's provided law enforcement with evidence of an alleged rape by Army Hammer. She said all along that he raped her. And I guess now she's just making more formal claims about it. And then the prosecutors will decide if there's enough evidence to press charges. She's being represented by Gloria Allred. You've probably heard of Gloria Allred because she basically takes on super controversial but like women's rights issues cases and she's a very highly esteemed lawyer and she says she's not planning to file a lawsuit against Hammer but again you know on the criminal side of things I think that's where Effie's trying to see this go to get him actually prosecuted in the criminal court and his lawyer his name is Andrew Brettler gave some bullshit statement to TMZ it baffles me the people I've said this all along the sources that Hammer's team decides to go to to give comments it's never reputable places I mean last time we were talking about he was giving 
quotes to Daily Mail. And I love Daily Mail for like stupid photos of like celebs being just like us type of vibe. But as far as journalistic integrity, Daily Mail don't have it. And I'm just like, why are you going to them? And basically, he's completely trying to flip. The attorney is flipping this around on her, saying that um, she, as of July 18th, 2020, was still trying to get with Army Hammer. And to me, this is almost irrelevant because she's been the first to admit on her Instagram that she still feels like he has a power over her and still feels some sort of like twisted love towards him almost in a Stockholm syndrome kind of way I mean that's me putting a term to it I don't think she's used that term but them trying to use that as a reason for why he might not have raped her is just ridiculous and I know he needs to be defended in a court of law like I get that and I know that everyone is entitled to representation but just coming out to the TMZ and saying some bullshit like that I I can't fathom like why they wouldn't just stay quiet. I, I don't know. Uh, swinging back to a much lighter thing. Have y'all noticed that phone charms like are coming back with a vengeance? They're really more the chain ones is what I've seen being really popular. I just saw that Wildflower. That's a really popular case manufacturer and it's owned by uh, Devin. Oh, what's her last name? Uh, Devin Lee Carlson, I think is her name. She's super, she's like Gen Z's like ultimate style icon. She kind of has an Emma Chamberlain vibe, but she's a model and she's, she dates one of the guys from, I think the neighborhood. I don't even know. I'm probably getting this all wrong. Kenzie's like, I don't know. Anyway, she owns Wildflower with her family. And I feel like they are going to single-handedly be responsible for bringing back the phone charms. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, like I had a razor and I would always make sure I had a phone that had the little hole that I could thread the charm through. And I would always have little cute charms. Like there was like little cutesy, like Winnie the Pooh or something. But now the thing is these kind of chains that you can hold around your wrist and usually made out of beads. I don't know. That was just an observation Kenzie and I both had. And I think if you start looking around, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. Uh, I, re- I mentioned Taylor earlier. So I wanted to talk about uh, the Grammys. And everyone was up in arms because, like in a good way, because they saw Harry and Taylor talking at the Grammys just for a brief interaction, but it seemed very amicable. She was like the first person to stand up when he won for best solo pop performance. I don't know. I again, obviously they're they're both in happy relationships, but it was nice it was nice seeing them have like a cordial moment, but also a little awkward because you know the backstory. You can't help but look at it and relate it to your own things of like running into someone that you probably would be fine not running into. And he looked gorgeous the whole time. He sported two different styles of boa. Everyone keeps comparing him to Sharpay, um, Ashley Tizzo, when she showed up to some red carpet back in the aughts and was wearing a boa. But Kenzie and I, all we were seeing was Grinch vibes. And if you listened to that episode a couple episodes ago, you know some people were probably um, putting in in some folders to revisit, if you know what I'm saying. Um... (laughs) And the Grammys, I didn't watch all of them, but I did watch a lot of them, and I thought the performances were really fun. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion, I think, was the queen of the night. Her acceptance speech when she won Best New Artist 
was very touching. I do worry because I feel like sometimes Best New Artist can be like a curse of an award, especially like at the VMAs. Like sometimes people become one hit wonders, but I feel like Megan's already so far past that that I really think she's just going to keep killing the game like she has been. Some sad news came out today that... I can't say I was shocked by, but I was saddened by. And that's that Tinsley from The Real Housewives of New York who literally left the series because she's like, I'm so in love with this man, Scott. I want to make it work. And I know I don't talk about Real Housewives or Bravo a ton on here, but again, my heart just went out for her because apparently they've ended their engagement. Like she literally left to go live in Chicago with him to make the relationship work, had to break off her contract early. The other girls were like really pissed at her, I think for breaking off the contract and being kind of worried that it was going to ruin the rest of the season. That's one of those things that you hear them talk about through kind of veiled words because they don't want to break the fourth wall. But it was pretty obvious to anyone watching that they were pissed that she was potentially screwing them over in their TV show. And I just I, I don't know what's next for her. She spends a lot of time in Palm Beach, which is, you know, right over the bridge from me. And she doesn't spend much time on my side of the bridge. It's a little beneath her, I think she thinks. Uh, but I, I would love to see her, her mom, Dale, walking around with strawberry and shortcake. Maybe I can befriend her. One of my friends, Kristen, has been at parties that she's been at. And I like give her shit all the time. I'm like, why didn't you invite me? And next time, please invite me. And then I had another friend who was driving Uber and uh, picked her and some guy up. He didn't know who she was, but she was fiending for coke and trying I I don't know if I should tell this story but I guess it's fine (laughs) she was trying to get him to like drive her to find coke is this gonna end up on like daily mail I mean that's unsubstantiated that is hearsay that is through the grapevine I'm just saying that that story was told to me please don't sue me it was just told to me okay All right. Um, Oh, and the other big story from the weekend was J-Lo and A-Rod and all these reports saying that they had broken up, but then no, they're back together and they're working on it. And then he flew to the Dominican Republic where she's filming. And in this short period of time, people were getting so hyped that J-Lo was going to end up with Lenny Kravitz because they're filming the movie together in the Dominican. But now apparently they're back together. But my thoughts on this are... A-Rod is going to be a cheater for the rest of his life, and I'm sad for J-Lo if she doesn't realize that and doesn't respect herself enough to get out of it because I just am like, you're such a queen. Like, you don't deserve to be put through that. And I haven't even talked about that story on here because obviously the rumors came about when A-Rod was supposedly having a fling with Madison LaCroix on Southern Charm, which I do watch and I do love. Uh, I have mixed feelings about Madison, but she's a feisty little thing and she does. I think she's a good reality star. Um, She, I don't know. She, (laughs) it does seem a little social climby to me. She knew what she was doing. I don't know. That's all I'm going to say on that. I think, I think it was more of a, a media ploy for Madison than it ever was about actually wanting to be with a rod. That's my thoughts on that. All right, let's get into our first article of the day with the cut. It's called Lighting Up with Seth Rogen by Sanjita Singh Kurtz and Katie Heaney. We talked previously on here about Jay-Z's weed company, so we can't not talk about Seth Rogen's weed company. And his company is called Houseplant. 
he describes as the culmination of 10 years of work in weed smoking. He founded it with Evan Goldberg, who was a producer and screenwriter on Pineapple Express, Superbad, This Is The End, so other things that Seth has worked on. And this company actually launched in Canada back in 2019, but it's finally coming to America. And apparently him and... Evan Goldberg met in bar mitzvah class when they were 12 years old. So they've been friends for a long time and they were talking about their first time smoking weed. And Seth's first time was when he was 13. Evan's first time was when he was 15. I was like, damn, okay, they started young. So they really do have some experience. Uh, and a complete aside and to bring it back to myself, I tested celebrity rosés on my YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, just a little shameless self plug there. I'm not trying weed that's not like fully legal in Florida yet. You have to have a prescription. So, but when the day comes, I, you know, maybe I will dabble. Uh, the article also points out that they're selling ceramics. And this is notable because Seth Rogen is really into pottery. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on here, but I really want to be into pottery. Like all I want as my next big purchase is my own wheel. So I can just throw my own pottery I don't even need a kiln. I just want, like, I love how meditative it is to throw it. It's like I like anything really tactile like that with cooking, like making bread, making pasta. It just feels so satisfying and smooth, and oh, I love it. If anyone has a pottery wheel, tell me if it's worth it. I guess I could just get kind of an inexpensive one, but I don't know. I And I Seth Rogen's had a really great journey with his pottery. He started out, his stuff was looking kind of wonky, and now it's looking super cute. So I see, feel like I could have that same path for myself. Anyways, back to his weed. Um, they were asking, Sanjita and Katie were asking if they were going to make houseplants socially equitable and how they planned on addressing social justice with canna cannabis. And I thought this was a great question to ask because obviously – there's been a horrible history and current situation where people of color and significantly black people are put in jail for weed use, which just should never be happening. The fact that any people are still in jail for weed use, I'm so against, especially in places where it's been legalized. It's like, how how is that even possible? Um, but it says that they're going to work very hard to fight that and are donating to causes to help in that. So maybe that'll feel you'll make you feel a little bit better if you want to buy some house plant. And then he says that he smokes seven, six to seven joints a day normally. Is there any, are any of my listeners smoking that much? I mean, that's an expensive habit at that point. No, like that's a lot. And I bet he's, he's rolling some doobies, like some big boys. So it was funny how she was saying he's rolling some doobies because Seth Rogen was actually on um, an episode of Ugly Delicious with David Chang. And I think it was Ugly Delicious. It was either that one or that breakfast, lunch, dinner in like the different countries. Oh, I think it was breakfast, lunch, and it's, dinner. It may be yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner because he, he went, David went to Vancouver. But they were like smoking weed and Seth like had one of his joints and he gave it to David. And David was like... You could see, like, the – it was like you could see the hallucinations, like, happening in his mind. Like, he was – his eyes were as wide as they went. He's like, I am so far gone, and I took, like, one hit of Seth's joint. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking maybe you'd be getting with Houseplant, but 
I'll, I'll read you what their review was in a second because this part I read first and I was shook down to the ground because I could not believe this answer. <laughs> They're asked what their favorite drink and snack pairings are when smoking. And Evan says coffee and sparkling water and Seth Rogen says sparkling water. And to that, I'm just like, not even some goldfish, a Twinkie. What else? Some Chex Mix sounds lovely. Oh, I love a cheese. I don't know why I'm like, I'm gravitating towards like some cheesy, crunchy things. But that and like a pint of ice cream. Fuck me up. Is this some health conscious weed ass shit? Sparkling water? I don't know. Seth Rogen's been looking pretty. pretty I know he looks spelt, but like. He's looking pretty spelt. Maybe it is the sparkling water. Okay, so the diet is weed and sparkling water. Does he eat? Like, I don't. (laughs) Guess not. But he's like, I, I eat the weed. That's what I do. I, I physically eat it. And then I wash it down with some sparkling water. The thing is, you know, he's actually probably actually eating a lot of it on accident just from smoking that sheer amount. There's got to be some full weed leaves going down the, <laughs> going down the gut. Yeah, that's what I mean. He probably What's it called? The it. gutlet? What's it called? The your esophagus? No, like your gullet. Your gullet. Your gullet. Your gullet. Okay. Um, some serious word association. Gullet. Wow. Okay. Next story. This creepy cheerleading mom story is the stuff of nightmares. Now it has been a while since we've had a juicy, scammy, crazy mom story, and who he is this one a doozy? A Pennsylvania woman is accused of doctoring photos and videos of her daughter's cheerleading teammates in an attempt to get them kicked off the squad. <sighs> now, this is wild to me because really, what she was doing was making deep fakes of these girls. Now, if you haven't heard of deep fakes, and the article doesn't really describe it, so let me do the honor. It is this idea that you can take a video of someone and you can superimpose someone's face over it. And the technology has gotten really good and there's a lot of sites on the internet you can do this. So it was used for nefarious reasons a lot. For example, they take Selena Gomez's face, put it on a porn video. You get get where I'm going here? Like you you can make it seem like someone's saying something that they're not. It could be basically used to blackmail people. Very, very disgusting. And that's what she was doing with these high school teenagers. She would create and anonymously circulate digitally altered photos. She did this of three girls underage. She would do ones of them smoking, vaping, drinking, nude photos of them. So it'd be, you know, someone else's nude body, probably she got from a porn site, and then putting an underage girl's face on it. She would urge them to kill themselves. This is according to a criminal complaint that was filed. But I feel like this kind of stuff, it's very obvious that these pictures were actually out there because they were being circulated. So I don't know how she's going to get around around this. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be able to track the IP address back to her. And they have her mugshot, and she has tattooed eyeliner. It looks tattooed to me, like, all the way around, very heavy. She's kind of giving me Dolores Umbridge vibes. I mean, honey, you can tell this is someone who's trying to relive her youth. And it's just such a disgusting story. Like, at that point, does that become like child porn? If you're putting an underage girl's face on a adult porn body? Because really, I mean, where's the line drawn there? 
And apparently the department began looking into this case in July 2020. So this happened a while ago. They were approached by a woman whose daughter cheered for the Victory Vipers. And the mother told authorities that her daughter was being harassed by a block number. And the block number was sending her images taken from her social media accounts and then edited to make them look like she was naked and drinking. And there, I guess in the case, there was an affidavit of probable cause filed. And an affidavit is something that's notarized and signed, which gives it, you know, kind of a lot of weight in court because it's saying like, I am attesting that this is what happened. And Spone, the lady, sent multiple messages to the cheerleading gym. Again, there's videos making girls appear like they were vaping. And that's exactly the kind of behavior that could get them kicked off the cheerleading team. And I just don't get it. All of this for a freaking cheerleading team? I mean, Bring It On couldn't have even thought of this stuff. They weren't even that nasty. And then two more families came forward with similar stories. And the police were eventually able to determine that the photos and videos were digitally altered deepfakes. And like I said, per the affidavit, they were affidavit, they were traced back to Spone. So on March 4th, and like, look how long that took. I mean, this started back in July 2020 when they were alerted. She was just arrested on March 4th. And then on March 10th, the district attorney's office charged her with three misdemeanor counts of cyber harassment of a child and related offenses. I'm honestly shocked that's all she's being charged with. Again, I feel like there's almost an argument for revenge porn, child porn. I mean, she is getting off so easy by only being charged with misdemeanor counts. So she better count her blessings. Guys, our deep cut today, I'm so excited about. You know, a couple weeks ago, MTV gave us the 18s deep dive that I know was missing in my life. Now E! Entertainment is coming in clutch with this little throwback. Whatever happened to Eric Von Detten? A rare conversation with her childhood crush by Jamie Blake. And this first line, guys, it gave me goosebumps. I clutched my chair because of the pure, unadulterated truth of it. It says, before there was Zac Efron and Harry Styles, hell, before the internet boyfriend was even part of our accepted lexicon, there was Eric Von Detten. I mean, Noah Centineo is still my internet boyfriend, ashamed as I am of that, but Eric Von Detten was for sure my original boyfriend. I had a background of him, him and Nick Jonas, man, but Eric Von Detten was first and he was just so cute. He had that California cool surfer style, which I was always a little belligerent about because I lived in Florida and there were surfers and they did not look like Eric Von Detten. And this article gives us a nice little summary of what he was in from the mid-90s to the early 2000s. He was in Escape to Witch Mountain, Brink, The Princess Diaries. You'll remember he gave Mia Thermopolis her little foot pop. He voiced Sid in Toy Story, Flint in Tarzan, and Lawson on Recess. But you know what this doesn't mention is my personal favorite, which is so weird, and there is nothing I feel more nostalgia for than So Weird, which was hands down the best show on Disney. Like, I'm a place it above Lizzie McGuire just for pure depth and spooky factor because I'm a spooky bitch. I love that shit. I mean, that probably bred the first little true crime hose that we have to deal with today. 
I mean, it wasn't true crime because it was more paranormal, but it was so good. And it goes on to say that he was Hollywood's it guy until suddenly he wasn't. And he was in these like guest roles that were pretty unremarkable. And then he just disappeared. And his last acting credit was a voiceover in 2010's Toy Story 3. So now Eric is 38. He's married. His second kid is on the way. His wife is so gorgeous and cool, and she's a real estate lady. And she has roughly 5,000 Insta followers. And his Insta is private. I found it through her Instagram. And he has, get ready for it, a whopping 17 followers. It's private. So, you know, he's just keeping that tight circle. His profile picture is a Dalmatian. Should I request a follow? I definitely don't think he would accept, but, you know. Maybe you come on Kind of Cute Podcast. Okay, he says, the first, it starts out and the author says, Eric Von Detten, I'm very excited to talk to you. I love how she just goes in with the full name. It's not just like Eric. It's Eric Von Detten. Because well, there's no other way. When your name is Von Detten, it has to be yeah. Eric Von Detten. And he says, really? I was talking to my wife and I was like, I don't know why all these people still want to interview me. I haven't done anything for like 20 years. Eric, I want to interview you. I am those people. And I mean, just the humility of that statement, it's really touching. And he attributes his moral compass and humility. Oh, I wrote that, not even, I wrote like, oh, his humility is amazing before I realized he said about himself that his moral compass and humility is how he didn't get swept up in Hollywood bullshit. And he also said his, his uh, upbringing. Maybe I typed that wrong. I think he said his moral compass and his upbringing. Guys, again, I was, I was, drinking some wine before this and then my sister's here so again sorry uh he describes his favorite memory from filming and I loved this part he said he turned 18 while they were shooting um I guess Princess Diaries and they had a birthday party on the beach in Malibu and the whole cast came and he said it was actually reminiscent of the beach party scene in Princess Diaries and the whole cast went in together and got him a surfboard isn't that so cute like literally that was the Laguna Beach lifestyle I wanted to live and again I lived like on the not on the beach but my high school was across the street from the beach I'd watch these movies and be like this should be the life I'm living but yet all I have is a Publix and a subway (laughs) and a Kumon learning center so what the fuck oh yes we did um so he also says that being Josh on Princess Diaries didn't help his game and that girls would like kind of make him wait a long time because they want to make sure he wasn't like Josh on Princess Diaries. And to all those girls, I say a round of applause. If you are one of those girls, I would also like to have you on the podcast. I actually might like to have you more than Eric, Eric Von Denton because I'd really love an honest view of what it was like to date a Hollywood heartthrob in the height of his fame. And then they ask, do you keep in touch with anyone today? And he says, oh, yeah, we all have a group text going. Myself, Mandy, Anne, as in Mandy Moore and Anne Hathaway. And again, I almost fell out of my seat at that part. I gasped. But then he reveals he's kidding and he isn't great at keeping touch with anyone, but he would love a reunion. And then he drops this little morsel. He says, I'm in touch with Patrick Levis. Actually, he was Peter and Brink, the other soul skater with the black curly hair. And we did another show for Disney Channel called So Weird. Like, I love how he just throws in this reference to So Weird and he doesn't even delve into how good it was. I'm like, honey, did you not watch it? Like the girl who who interviewed him? Because I was a little disappointed in the lack of a deep dive on that. But 
overall an amazing interview. And I think I also had a little bit of a crush on Patrick Levis. He plays um, the brother in So Weird. Sam, it's either Seth or Sam. It's something like that, right? His name in it? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Um, and... He does kind of look like Oliver from the OC, which is a little off-putting, but he has a much kinder face. Oh, it's Jack, not Jack. Jack, yes, Jack. What's the girl's name, though? Uh, Fiona. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as to what Eric's doing now, he says this. He says, Luckily, when things started to slow down in acting in my early 20s, another opportunity presented itself for me with a company that I started working with at age 25, and I've been with that company ever since. It's a sales position with a company working in finance. I've grown into a management position, and it's worked out really well. I mean, he's like literally a normal dude. This is kind of what Gordo did off Lizzie McGuire. I love that he was just a normal dude. But then when they were doing the reunion, he was just back. He was like, I'll do it. And then it got shut down because of Disney's misogynistic old fashioned ways. But that's a story for another day. And, you know, Eric, they have a picture of him currently. And I saw some by stalking his wife's Instagram. And she is now definitely cuter than him. He has a little bit of a receding hairline, but he still definitely looks better than Prince Will's. And him and his wife have the cutest little girl, and I think they're expecting a boy. And I just think they're an adorable little family. And (laughs) then the girl asked, did your wife know who you were when you met? And he says, I think she did. My colleague played matchmaker, and she didn't give either one of us last names, only first names. She knew we would try to Google away. So when we first set eyes on each other in the restaurant, she said something along the lines of, oh my gosh, no way, that's you. And then it says, be honest, has she asked you to make her foot pop? And he says she might have dropped that line once or twice over the last few years. Guys, she's literally living my dream life. Can somebody help me? I still just need a Raya pass. Unfortunately, though, I think the people who have become really normal, a la Eric Von Detten, are not on Raya. They are literally getting set up by their colleagues and work in sales. So I, I might need to just give up on my Raya dreams. <laughs> uh, anyways, I loved that article so much. It brought me so much joy, and I hope it brought you joy as well. Now, Kenzie, get over here because we have to talk about what we think about a lot. What I really have been thinking about a lot and have thought about a lot for as long as I can remember is how the Madden twins get such hotties. When I'm talking about the Madden twins, I mean Joel and Benji Madden from Good Charlotte. And I say from Good Charlotte because I don't think they've done jack shit since then. And Good Charlotte was the pop punk band of my middle and high school dreams. It's a new day, but it all feels so. It's a good life. That's what I'm told. But everything at all just feels the same. Kinsey doesn't seem as like she thinks about this as much as I do, but I think it's because she hasn't fully accepted all of the women that they have dated. So let's walk through it. Okay, so Joel Madden, and it's easy to get them mixed up. I would say Joel Madden is the cuter one, in my opinion. I think Benji has like a weird mustache or something. I don't think Joel's ugly. No, Joel's cute. I think especially now that he looks like normal, like not like punk. I think he's cute. I think yeah, he's, he's cute. cute. Uh, but I'm saying Joel's cuter than Benji. Yeah. But again, it was like the whole outfit, like the fedoras, the chains, the Ed Hardy-esque shirts that were also trying to be punk. I yeah. mean, I've totally forgot he was with Hillary. Depp. Yeah, hello. This is what I'm saying. I totally forgot Okay, that. so speaking of Disney royalty, Lizzie McGuire, she was like the first main person to date 
Joel and they dated for a significant time. Yeah. I would say that was like her first serious See? relationship, yeah. but it always kind of creeps me out. I want to say she was underage at the time. Yeah. Like under the was, age of. Hang on. Cause she's like what? Two years older than you. Is she three or is she three? Kinsey, no one wants to hear us. She's only Googling. one. She's only one year older. Than okay, you. so how old was she so when they she dated? Was, okay, so they dated in 2004. She would have been 17. Yeah, I thought she was underage. So that, even when I was young, that rubbed me the wrong way. I was just mm-hmm. kind of skeeved out by it because an age difference is fine when you are a mature adult, but like she was 17 years old. But he is now married to Nicole Richie and they've been married since. Well, wait, was it 2004 or 2005 that they dated? I'm pretty sure they came out publicly once she turned 18, but everyone knew they had been dating beforehand. Mm-hmm. If I remember like correctly what was going on at the time. Um, but yeah, him and Nicole Richie are still successfully together and they got married back in 2010 and that's a long Hollywood marriage, honestly. So props to them. Now the one who has the really intense dating history is actually Benji Madden. And I constantly forget that he is married to Cameron Diaz and they have also been married for a fairly long time they've been married since 2015 they just welcomed their first child back in 2020 his name is oh I'm sorry it's a her her name's Radix Matten um actually I just saw Dumas that someone saw them out and said they looked really cute together like the whole little family uh, he dated Miley Cyrus they were spotted kissing during a Halloween party at a Hollywood club so that's pretty significant. He dated someone named Nicole Trunfio. She's a Australian model. She's very gorgeous. She kind of looks like oh, Minka yeah. Kelly. Yeah. He dated Eliza Doolittle, who is a British singer. She's from London. They dated for two years, so pretty significant relationship. Also pretty. He dated Holly Madison for a few months. You would know her from being a, what was that called? Girls Next Door? Like a yeah. Playboy girl? yeah, yeah. He dated Solange. Okay, this one's not he confirmed. Dated not confirmed. I'm sorry. Dated is strong. Apparently, they hooked up in 2009. So he dated briefly Katy Perry in February of 2009. Paris Hilton from February to November 2008, which that's interesting because of the Nicole Richie with Joel thing. Yeah, that is weird. He briefly dated Kim Kardashian in 2008. Like, Bitchy was just wrapping it up. He dated this gorgeous model named Sophie Monk. Someone else named Kaylee Peters. Oh, she's a studio exec and former singer-songwriter. Guys, the list goes on. I, I mean, it just blows my mind. Like, people like that, it really makes me want to meet them in person because I'm like, is it that you just wanted to date a bad boy? Or did he have BDE? Like, did he wine and dine you? What's your theory, Kenzie? I mean, maybe he really does have BDE. But I just don't think that's enough. I mean, while while a man can be compelled by, like, big tits and an ass or whatever they're into, little tits and a little ass, I just don't think women are as easily dictumatized, you know? I know. I know, but I know, but nice, <laughs> I know, but if he's nice... And then apparently he's good. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It has to be a good personality, too. Yeah, I think he's probably I think you need a good personality to be digmatized. Mm -hmm. To help you be digmatized. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's plenty of people who are digmatized with a shitty personality. I still think there's a lot that goes into it of him being, like, 
this bad boy persona. Is and he, I he must be kind of short. Yeah, and I think people is just, it like people want a short king? Is it these all these girls <laughs> want a short king? I think people also just loved Good Charlotte. I think that's it. That's largely it. I mean, you? I was obsessed with Good Charlotte. I loved them. And you know, it was interesting with them because they're maybe the only boy band that I didn't partially like because of how they looked, as shallow as that may be. But I mean, if One Direction didn't look like One Direction, would as many people be swooning over them? I mean, the answer is hell no. So I don't know. I didn't think anyone in Good Charlotte was cute, but I like loved them with all they of were my heart. They they really like I think I know Blink One Eighty Two kind of started the pop punk. But, like, I feel I'm that saying you're screaming at Kenzie to get close. She just nonchalantly leans back in her seat. She's, like, two feet away. I, it sounds more like a producer this way. Okay. I'm teasing Continue. you. No, I was saying that... Oh, now I forgot my point of view. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Bailey yelled at me too much. Oh, 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 I was saying Blink-182, I think, kind of, like, really made the pop-punk sound what it started as with the with the tom you know with the with his voice blink 182 we're talking about them now no i was saying you but i think yes but i think good charlotte is what like solidified 2000s pop punk is what i was trying to say oh okay yeah duh i mean i think that's pretty agreed yeah i don't well, think I there's a debate on that I, didn't, I don't know i mean i feel like if you talk to pop punkers i think that there would be a serious debate i feel like that's like not a group of people i want to fuck around with but it's just me. All right. Well, on to legit shit. And before we get into this, um, I obviously just want to talk about the Asian American Pacific Islander community and the pain they've been going through and all of the hate crimes that have been put up against them. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but with the recent killings that happened in Atlanta, that to me, I mean, they, they are hate crimes. They are racially motivated, even if the media is not going to come out and say that. And I just want to, any, anyone who listens to this podcast, I want to know that Kind of Cute Podcast fully supports the AAPI community. I am linking in the show notes uh, a really great article on The Cut that gives a lot of resources about where to no- donate and how to help. And my legit shit is actually about a Filipino family that I've Filipino American family that I've really been loving watching. Kinsey can vouch for this. That I've been watching this like every week. It's Bretman Rock's reality show on MTV's YouTube. It's called Following Bretman, and I've been a big fan of Bretman actually since my friend Megan. She introduced me to him because she sent me a video of him a couple years ago that he did with Shay Mitchell, and I was like, this is the most entertaining man I've ever entertaining person I've ever watched on YouTube. And I've just kind of followed him since, like not intensely, but when I saw he was doing this uh, reality show on MTV, I just really love it. And sometimes he's kind of an asshole to his sister, but I'm also kind of an asshole to my sister sometimes, so I can relate to that. And it's just cool because it shows a lot about like Filipino culture and his his relationship with his family. And they live in Hawaii, so it's just like the most gorgeous backdrop that you can imagine. So I just wanted to give that a shout out and let me know if you watch. And as usual, if you did like this podcast, I would love it if you shared it with a friend. I haven't got a review on Apple Podcasts in a while, so I would love it if you gave me a five-star written review there. If you need help doing it, you can just DM me or you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash kindacute. Uh, follow my YouTube channel at Bailey Evan. You can follow me on Instagram at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast. And like I always say, please reach out to me. If you have any thoughts about how the Madden Twins got such hotties, I'm here. I'm available. I'm open to your thoughts and maybe I can discuss them next week. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.